Hi, Mike. This is Rami. I'm from Lake Forest. You're listening to Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, you're on. You walk into this room at your own risk because it leads to the future. Not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach to the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are Righty, indeed. Welcome to the show. Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this. And good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We have new technology on board. See, now I can see Peggy's picture here. Uh, I can't. I, I'm in, I'm a little little guy in the corner here, on my own screen. But uh, oh well. That's the way those things go. And because we have the new technology here, uh, courtesy of uh, Captain Randall there. And uh, all I got to say, well, Randall was talking to me earlier, and this is what he said. I have an ultimate storage capacity of 800 quadrillion bits. My total linear computational speed has been rated at 60 trillion operations per second. So there you go. Um, it it there turns out. We would expect nothing less. It was not just Andrew who who could do that, but uh, Randall as well. So, thank you for getting us up, and uh, we're we're at five on Facebook. Even we got the whole beginning of the show. I'm so excited, Nancy. Thank you so much. Let's give Nancy a ding for that. <laughs> but I do uh, want to let Nancy and Randall know back in the studio, we still are getting that buzzing feedback. Well, all that matters is if uh, it's not going over the air. We get a little weird yeah, buzzing yeah. thing back here. It's. Um, <laughs> It's like, <laughs> it's uh, something like that. Oh, it's like uh, the chipmunk that was perched outside my window for 15 minutes this morning. Yeah, exactly. And today we, uh, 
we're going to have some fun in the first hour with uh, uh, a friend of the show who's been doing remarkable things for 10 years. Uh, and that is taking people's food scraps and turning them into compost. And we'll even have an, uh, a discussion about the value of compost, I think, because, hey, it's sustainability. That's what we talk about here. Uh, and then after her, we have a new favorite tomato person because we have friends of the show who are on, have been on before, people like Craig LaHoulier and Casey Tomato. Now we've got Tomato Joe. And there's old Tomato Joe. He's moving kind of <laughs> slow at the junction. Tomato Junction? Uh, and... Uh, that's an interesting story, how we got Tomato Joe mm -hmm. on the show, and we will talk about that later on. So let's move first to uh, our friend Erlene Howard from Collective Resource Compost, sometimes known as Collective Resource Inc., uh, and say hi and congratulations on 10 years, Erlene. Uh, thank you, Mike. It's so good to be here with you and Peggy this morning. It's a delight to be back. and. Wow, it's been a great ride for 10 years. I know. We're doing it. 10 years already. It's pretty unbelievable. I remember seeing you when you first started out at the events. Yes. Well, yeah. at events, and, and well, we've mm -hmm. got to explain that too, yep. because uh, what uh, Erlene did uh, about 10 years ago, and this is about the time that the state of Illinois got smart and figured out that uh, compost is a resource and not poison. Um, the way we treated compost before about 2010 was like toxic waste. And, and that still carries over because there's a lot of people out there who are just terrified of food scraps. Once, when they're on the table, they're putting them in their mouths. When they're off the table, now you're terrified of them because you're, you're afraid you might get a disease or something. Isn't that what you see, Erlene? Yeah, there's a big uh, scary yuck factor about food scraps, which is kind of funny that you could be eating an apple one minute and then all of a sudden it's it's scary. So, yeah. <laughs> I know. And, and, and it's nothing has changed. It, it, it hasn't transformed. It's, it's just we got, uh, I think, into some bad habits and uh, states are around us were uh, have been composting food scraps for a long time and taking advantage of that and turning it into an industry. And then the state of Illinois got smart and passed the law in 2009, and I believe it was enacted in 2010. And that's about the time that you started. Was it because you saw the law or was this something you wanted to do before the law was passed? Yeah, it's really interesting, Mike. Thanks for that question. The light bulb went off for me that um, Chicagoland needed a composting service because I wanted to compost and couldn't do it in where I lived. And I started to tell all my friends that I was going to start a composting service. And that was in the fall of 2009. And then all of a sudden I started getting more connected in the community and I realized that the law had just changed, that we could divert the food scraps. So I had no idea when I started thinking about it that it was illegal to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> I'm so glad they fixed that. Yeah, good timing. Yeah. Uh, and, and you started, uh, from what I understand, with three customers and uh, a, 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 what, a, a Toyota, was it? Yeah, so our, our 2002 Toyota Camry, which we still uh, still run around in a little bit these days, um, 
was our first hauling vehicle. First, the trunk lined with old plastic uh, campaign posters, yard posters. And then soon the back seat was tarped. And before you knew it, there was buckets riding alongside of me in the car. We, we worked like that for about 10 months until we got our first uh, Sprinter cargo van. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, explain, explain how your service works, and then we can talk about the events that uh, Peggy alluded to earlier. Um, how does, what is the basic service you provide? Yeah, so um, we have a couple of different programs. So the, the first one that we started with, with the five-gallon buckets, is, um, is basically you go to our website, you fill out the Contact Us form, we get you on a route, we drop off your bucket, and we um, uh, put you on a schedule. So if you're a family of four, for example, you probably want a weekly pickup, and or we do every other week service. Um, and, yeah, and then w- when we come back, we leave you a fresh washed container, and take the full one off to the commercial composting site so it can be turned back into soil, soil amendment. So, so it's, yeah, it's, that, it's that simple. Now, po- folk, and it's not just uh, vegetable scraps, is it? No, it, it's meat and dairy and food soiled um, cardboard, like your greasy pizza box mm-hmm. and and. I mean, our, our first model was at the five-gallon buckets, but then we started to also work with restaurants and schools and caterers and office buildings in our 32-gallon totes once we got our Sprinter cargo van. Yeah, that's good. That, now, going from five buck to five gallons to 32 gallons, that's, yeah. that's, that's quite an upgrade, isn't it? <laughs> well, I knew that we needed to do something bigger if we wanted to get the restaurants involved. And it worked. It yeah. was great. It is uh, great. It still works. Uh, <laughs> it is. And um, uh, you got restaurants involved. So that takes us to the COVID-19 conversation because it's, I imagine, been very difficult in the last few months for your company. Yeah. Mid-March was quite an extraordinary turnaround for Collective Resource because we had done nothing but grow. And... Um, in the first week of March, we hauled 36 tons of food scraps. And by the first week of April, we were only hauling about 12 tons. We're back up to 16 tons a week, but still 20 tons short of where we were at. Well, you know what they say, 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Tennessee Ernie Ford, folks. but in addition to the restaurants, you're also, you know, you lost a lot of the schools in the spring, too. Right. I mean, you didn't lose them, but they just weren't generating the compost. Yeah. So, yeah, it was interesting. We had 50 schools on board when the governor did the school shutdown. <laughs> uh, we still have some private uh, daycare Montessori schools that are still participating that, you know, were... Uh, kept in place for the essential workers to have um, care for their kids. Yeah. Um, but but our our middle schools and high schools all shut down 
Okay, well, let's, uh, we'll be back with Erlene Howard. We're talking to, to her from Collective Resource, Inc. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. We continue to live in interesting and challenging times. As we've learned over the past few months, something as important as tree care can be made much more difficult by unexpected events like the COVID-19 pandemic. Bartlett Tree Experts understands that and has made safety their number one consideration. But that's not surprising because safety has always been their number one concern and will continue to be their concern as we move into the next phase of this crisis. Something else we've learned over this time is that people love their trees and from a safe distance have been eager to talk to Bartlett Arborist representatives, whether from the safety of their porch or through a window or over the phone. They also know that Bartlett can make outside areas safer from ticks, which are having a banner year thanks to a mild winter. Bottom line, the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts want to say thank you to their customers for loving their trees and understanding that every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. COVID-19 messed with a lot of things this year, but the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards still wants to see your garden. SEGA announces the 60-second Garden Video Challenge. Take your cell phone or camera out to your yard and show us in one creative minute why your garden is special. SEGA will post the videos on their YouTube page where viewers can vote for the best. Yes, there will be prizes. Go to chicagogardeningawards.com or click the logo at mikenovak.net. Are you ready to make a difference by supporting sustainability, civic, and interfaith engagement? Be part of the Faith in Place 2020 Green Team Summit, September 13th through 17th. This year, it's virtual, and sponsors can reach more than 25,000 citizen activists, families, students, and faith leaders through promotions, social media, and emails. Go to greenteamsummit.org to become a sponsor, or sign up to attend workshops on climate crisis, health, clean energy, and more. That's at faithinplace.org. What's growing on? What's growing on? What's growing on? You know, this reminds me of a song. We won't hesitate no more, no more. It cannot wait. Compost. Woo! Straight out of compost. Compost. Uh, that is Jason Roz and Allison Teal, and they did a little video about composting and kind of uh, uh, broke into song there. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. If you're watching on uh, the Facebooks, the Facebook, rather, and the, the used to, um, I guess you, my you image are back. No, you're back. back. Am I back? You're back. Okay. Uh, the, the, the image went away. And I, I was going to say for the audience, that's probably a, a good thing, actually. Um, and and Arlene is here, and we can see her, too. Oh, Arlene <laughs> Howard is here. Uh, she is the founder and owner of Collective Resource Compost. Uh, she picks up your bucket, your five-gallon and sometimes larger uh, containers of wood scraps and takes them to be composted. And it really works well for people in apartments. Not everybody can compost in their backyard because not everybody has a backyard. Uh, and if you're in a condo or an apartment, this is a, a great resource, and that's why that's in the name. And uh, she's celebrating her 10th anniversary of doing this and getting through the pandemic. Now, it's not the 10th anniversary of getting through the pandemic, but she <laughs> is getting through the pandemic. So um, let's – this is going to be a short well, segment. It's going to go very well, fast. Well. But um, can you tell us a little bit about 
you mentioned pizza boxes and that sort of thing. How is it that when people are told about recycling, they're saying, oh, no, you cannot put your pizza box in the recycling bin. And you're saying, yeah, put that in with the compost. And as I've told people in the past, uh, and you know this, pretty much anything that's organic can be composted. So what's the difference here between that recycling effort and the composting effort? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Um, Yeah, so um, if you think about recycling, what you're trying to do is to produce clean, normal paper that can be reused, a box can become a box, is kind of the idea. But when a box has food on it, then we want to make soil out of it. So there's this fine line between what you would want to put into your recycling bin and what you would want to put into your compost bin when it comes to paper. Obviously, the glass and the aluminum and the plastic all goes into the recycling bin. But what goes into the compost bin is anything that was once alive. And so that includes... um, napkins which they don't want in the recycling it includes paper towels that they don't want in the recycling it includes greasy pizza boxes which they don't want in the recycling but it also includes like chinette plates and things that are made out of 100 percent paper that are compostable and um and we want all the food so with commercial composting um what makes it even better um in reducing landfill use is that it, we can take the meat and the dairy, the bones, the fish skins. We want all of the food, moldy, burnt, you know, you know, things that you won't eat, whatever you're not going to eat. We want you to scrape into the compost bucket. So, um, well, this takes us to what, uh, uh, Peggy was talking about in that for years you've come to various events uh, green events and, and even uh, other kinds of events, and you bring your your containers, and you sit there when when people have lunch or dinner, and you teach them how to um, you teach them how to separate things. And what I'm always amazed at is that uh, folks who are really smart, even f- folks in the in the green world, in the environmental world are often really confused about what goes in what bin. So what goes in the plastics bin and what, you know, what, like you mentioned, napkins and paper plates and that sort of thing, and they can be composted. Um, is, is that still a problem and getting people to understand what goes where? Yeah, I think because, I mean, it, I guess it depends on um, how old the person is. <laughs> I think it kind of starts there and how readily available, regularly available in their life composting is. So like once we introduce it in a school situation, the kids compost very easily. They, they, they are really good at following what happened the week before, the day before, or what the, the student before them did. So it's very important to keep the bins separated the way they're supposed to be. If someone makes a mistake, it's really important to take it out right away, which is one of the reasons that we staff those way stations at events. Um, we love education. It, it's a super great way to do education. It was the first thing we stopped doing, you know, uh, live uh-huh. in-person events with COVID. Um, We have been doing some um, um, education like this over the Internet and um, 
some companies are coming back on. We have a new company coming on. They want us to do a big presentation over, you know, to a group of people that are going to be working in their office and they're cycling in smaller groups of people to come back to work. So they're going to record that education event and let me get out. Let me get one more question because we only have a minute and a half here. Okay. A lot of people like to compost in their backyard. Mm-hmm. You do it commercially. What's the difference between commercial and backyard composting? Yeah. So, I mean, let's not forget the worms. I mean, you could do vermiculture in your house, and that's one layer of of what you can compost, which is uh, is more limited than what you can put in your backyard bin. But definitely in your backyard bin, you would not want the greasy pizza box and you definitely do not want um, any meat or cheese. You could put your eggshells in there, but it's recommended that you rinse them off first before you throw them into your backyard pile. But but my my point is with uh, commercial composting, it's more efficient and they heat it up uh, properly so it Mm -hmm. break down better. Is that right? That is true. It's a much faster process. The piles are much bigger. They get much hotter. They're, you know, it 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 really cooks, and and that's the great thing. If you're at the at the site in the wintertime, you can tell which pile just got turned because it's the one with all the steam coming off of it. The yeah. carbon and nitrogen interaction creates uh, cooking of the material, which is great. And it and they do keep these piles hot to kill any pathogens that would be in raw meat or eggshells exactly. or whatever. All right, Earlene Howard, thank you so much. Uh, congratulations on your 10th anniversary. Go to collectiveresource.us or go to my website, mikenovak.net. I hope we have you on the show again soon. Thanks. Thanks so much. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. The folks at Blazing Star know that good soil biology means good soil. That's why they sell products from trusted industry leader Tinyo that contain more than 30 species of beneficial bacteria and fungi chosen for their critical roles in soil and plant health. In other words, whether you're a farmer or a backyard gardener, they help you grow the life in your soil so your soil can grow your plants. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. Joe's Blues brings Michigan's sweetest naturally grown pesticide-free blueberries to Chicago with 12 CSA drop-off sites in the area or get them at Chicago farmer's markets. Joe's Blues also sells zero and low-sugar blueberry preserves, pure-dried berries, 35% cream ice cream, moisturizing soap, and more. Sign up now for safe social distancing you-pick events this year. Go to joesblueberries.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at mikenovak.net. Since 2001, DiveHeart has been revolutionizing rehabilitation using zero gravity and scuba therapy to give confidence, independence, self-esteem, and yes, freedom to children, veterans, and others with disabilities. At DiveHeart, we believe in the power of partnership because together we can do great things. Let DiveHeart help you imagine the possibilities in your life. 
Go to DiveHeart.org to learn more. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. Our friends at Eden Place Farms are offering affordable local CSA shares with a twist. You pay for these organically grown boxes of vegetables each week as you receive them. You can skip deliveries without penalty and even get custom orders to eliminate allergens and unwanted items. Best of all, you're supporting a Chicago-based operation whose goal is to provide affordable, high-quality organic produce to the region. Go to EdenPlaceFarms.org or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at MikeNovak.net. Mike Jackson Outdoors, Sundays, 8 to 9 a.m. on WCGO Radio, 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM. Oh, my little tomatoes, you are so cute and red. I'll come back later on and tuck you into bed. Oh, my little tomatoes, you are so cute and sweet. I can't believe them bad vegans want to pick you off my tree. I'll protect you. Really? <laughs> the man. Uh, that's a, a new one that we played the last time we talked tomatoes on the show. Uh, that is Rudy the Man. And the tomato song. And I saw our guest uh, dancing <laughs> in his chair. So he can hear us. Be, I, I yes. He can hear us. Can you there, Joe? I can. Thank yeah. goodness. Wow. How about that? We, <laughs> with not a second to spare. We got the audio <laughs> and the video back up. Yikes. Okay. Wow. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and he, he even showed up with his own name tag on his T-shirt. Uh, well, that's uh, that's a good thing. I can't actually see it very well because I've got the wrong size screen up here, uh, which, which I'm going to fix at well, the his, Well, his shirt says Tomato Joe. Tomato Joe. Everybody should have a Tomato Joe uh, shirt. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, that is the name of our guest. That's not really his uh, name, Tomato Joe. His name is Joe Toner. And it's interesting because when we did our show in June, it was at the beginning of June with Craig LaHoulier, uh, who is NC Tomato Man. And then we also had KC Tomato from Kansas City, of course. Uh, Joe happened to catch that show uh, because I think mainly because you're a fan of Craig LaHoulier, right? Correct. Yes, I am. Yes. And you, you, you've become friends with him. Exactly. Um, and uh, it was very funny because you wrote in your... Uh, uh, in a message to me, uh, Craig LaHoulier is a really fancy guy and he, he's really <laughs> down to earth and he'll write back to me. He he is. He's a great guy, isn't he, Joe? Yes, he is. I've known him for a couple of years now, at least, probably about five or six. Only yeah. through the internet, only through messaging, but uh, he always gets back to everything. Yeah, and, it, and he wrote the tomato book, Epic Tomatoes. Yes, Epic that's tomatoes. Probably, that's, in my opinion, is the best best book out there. Okay. Um, yes. So uh, Joe wrote to me and said, uh, he started telling me about, well, here's where I want to start with this. What, part of my advice on the radio is always when you're buying horticultural stuff, don't go to, uh, do we have a problem, Kathleen? Okay, yeah. Joe's audio is a little funky, and I'm sure that uh, we're working on it. We're doing the best we can here. Um, and uh, I'm sure Randall uh, is is on the task, but uh, just letting you know, Joe, your audio is a, it's a little muddy at the moment. So, oh. uh, Can you move closer to the mic or to your computer? 
That could be dangerous. <laughs> but that sounds better. <laughs> Does it? There you go. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, it's it's helping a little bit there. Wonderful. Uh, so uh, what I tell people in terms of uh, gardening stuff, if you want to buy a shovel, yeah, go to a box store. If you want to buy plants, not so much because uh, they usually don't have people there who know what they're talking about. Well, you give – oh, so – and you're the guy. <laughs> I was just going to say you give the lie to that, Joe, because you work at a box store, and you had people coming up to you and saying, hey, I need uh, answers for my tomato questions, and you realized that you didn't have them. And and, and let's say – and let me uh, explain that uh, Joe lives in Pennsylvania. Where, where exactly in Pennsylvania? Uh, above Allentown, the Pocono Mountain area. Okay, above Allentown. Correct. All right. And and what is the name of the town? Palmerton. Palmerton. Yes. Okay. All right. And uh, and folks would come in Palmerton to the the box store and ask Joe, and he was a little frustrated because he didn't always know the answer. So you started doing research, right? Correct. Yes. I that was back in 2012. Uh, people would come in and ask me questions. I've always grown tomatoes, but you know, usually just the just the average celebrity girl. People would come in and ask me about that difference between heirlooms and hybrids and, of course, and determinants and indeterminates. And I really didn't have the answers. But with my degree in history and always being familiar with doing research, I'd be retired. I would come home from work, get on the computer and go away. I mean, go at it. <laughs> <laughs> Not go away, but go at it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's your... Uh your background in history yes. uh, uh, that I'm interested in because you have been raising uh, historical tomatoes uh, for some time, yes. haven't you? I have. Uh, when I first started out, uh, fortunately, uh, I guess when I first started out, I, I, someone told me all the different varieties that were. Right now there's about 17 or 18,000 different varieties. And I started delving into, uh, into the tomato and, and how it came about and, I stumbled across some people's names who were very instrumental here in the America. What happened to be Alexander Livingston, um, who worked on his tomato for 20 years. He started back in 1850 at the age of 28 here in, uh, in Ohio. And uh, it took him 20 years to perfect that tomato. And I thought to myself, well, wow, it would be really great if I could grow that in my garden just as a tribute to him and all the effort that he put into growing that tomato. And lo and behold, I came across those seeds being offered. Mm -hmm. I hope you don't mind it, but there's a, a small, small small seed company out in uh, Oregon, I mean, the Victor Seeds, that, mm -hmm. that back in 1999, they decided to put forth an effort to come back with all of the varieties of Livingston's tomatoes that they could find. And so far, they've come up with 21 different varieties. The Paragon, which was his first, mm -hmm. is the one that uh, that I that I grew among, among the other ones. And he called it the Paragon because that was the candy jar that was used back in, in the uh, 1870s. And that's how he named the tomato. Uh, it, it was the what from the 1870s? The Paragon. But how it was, how it got named? Oh, it got named because that was the common jar that we used for canning. Uh, jar, okay. Yes, exactly. A canning jar. So he named yes. it after a canning yes. jar. Correct. The Paragon and the Paragon. Uh, wow. 
And how did they come up with it? How did they find these seeds? That is a good question. That is a good question. I, I, I wasn't able to. I, I probably should email uh, because one nice thing about the Victory Seeds is that they're very good with their customer service. And they get the seeds. And anytime I've had any questions about some of the varieties mm-hmm. that I purchased them, they always get back to me. And if, now, if I recall correctly, Victory Seed also does the, I think it's the Canselmo that Craig Julia grows. Yes, that's an interesting one, too. That, uh, that is one I grew in my garden as well. Those seeds came over from uh, Napoli, Italy, by a grandmother in the family, the Consumer family. And she passed the seeds on to her daughter. Hmm. Her daughter grew in her garden until she could no longer grow because she developed Alzheimer's. And she passed believe in 2007. Now, why I became interested in that is because I was blessed with being able to give care to Alzheimer's residents because one of my positions was, before, after I got out of the computer field, was that I gave care to uh, skilled facility uh, dementia residents. And I took care of them. And I wanted to grow that as a tribute to not only the family in Selmo, but also to all my residents that I gave care to. You, uh, you, you have an interesting background. You've uh, worked with dementia patients. You're a historian. Um, yes. <laughs> what are you doing uh, in a box store or selling tomatoes? Well, what happened is, is that uh, because of, let's put it this way, because of the politics that goes in, in, in box stores, I decided it was just too much. I decided to just retire from the box stores <laughs> and just devote, devote my time to, uh, to growing tomatoes and uh and, and taking care of uh, rescue cats. And rescue cats? Yes, I we, we rescued. Saw, I saw one of your cats in the background there, uh, wandering around. I, I'm sure you did. We have uh, currently uh, nine indoor cats. Okay. We've got as many as, uh, oh gosh, I don't even want to go there. But uh, they're all vetted. They're all uh, well taken care of. Uh, they all come with their own stories. And, uh, you know, they... Everything is everything is a story. That's if we didn't have our stories, where would we be? Exactly. And uh, so, how do you get the word out to uh, tomato fans of, about how to grow their plants now? Well, I only answer. It's amazing. I'm on Facebook and so on and so forth. And we have a local community group here. Um, I also sell my tomatoes. Uh, Two dollars for. For a tomato, I put, but by the time I sell them, they're about 16 inches tall compared to your tomatoes that you would get at a box store, which are about three inches and twice the price. Uh, I do that simply to give people here in the area the opportunity to grow something other than what you would normally find in a box store. Yeah, so uh, some of these are, are, are some of those wonderful heirloom varieties, I assume. Yes. Do you also sell the seed? No, I don't. I don't. If somebody wants the seeds for my, I give them the seeds. I, I, I'm only into, uh, and of course, I, you know, with all the tomatoes I have, I give them away, you know, to the neighbors and everything, because this is primarily a, a senior, senior living area. And, uh, and it's expensive to go to the store and pay uh, $4 a pound for an heirloom tomato. Well, yeah, it is. And I'm being selfish, though, because I'm thinking of Peggy and me and uh, wanting to grow some of these great varieties next year. I'm going to have to figure out how I can get a, a hold of some of the seeds that yeah. you have. Well, you have my address, please. By all means, <laughs> by all means yeah, send me a self-addressed stamped envelope. 
and uh, and and I reach out to our listeners too, whoever might be interested. Uh, all right. All right. Well. Uh, I will have to make sure that we have all that information out there so our listeners can uh, take advantage of that. We're talking to Joe Toner um, uh, out of Pennsylvania near Allentown. Um, he is a tomato guy. He's a cat person. He's a historian. He helps uh, people with dementia. He does it all. Uh, and we're talking tomatoes. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we will be right back. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. If you're looking for something to literally spice up a meal, look no further than Backyard Patch Herbs. They grow, harvest, dry, and blend their herb mixes. And they're chemical-free. No gluten, no salt, and no preservatives. Dips, dressings, rubs, cooking mixes, soup mixes, herbal teas, and more. Use the code MIKE10 and get 10% off your purchase. Go to BackyardPatch.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at MikeNovak.net. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. If you're an omnivore, there's an alternative to factory farmed meats. Cedar Valley Sustainable Farms CSA brings you beef, pork, chicken, and eggs, all raised humanely, drug and hormone free with respect for the earth and the animals. And since the start of the COVID-19 emergency, they've been doing non-contact pickup at delivery locations throughout the city and suburbs. Go to cedarvalleysustainable.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at mikenovak.net. Portrait of a radio show. This is not exactly a gardening or an environment or a local food program. It's all of them. You're entering another dimension. A dimension where information about the why and the who and the where are just as important as the how. And it's funny. I don't get that part. You've just entered the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki Zone on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Ain't nothing in the world that I like better than bacon and lettuce and homegrown tomatoes. Up in the morning, out in the garden, get you a ripe one, don't get a hard one. Plant them in the spring. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We are uh, in the process of uh, trying to get Joe on the phone. We decided that uh, the, uh, the Zoom slash WebEx slash whatever we're doing is not good. And uh, we want to hear what he has to say because it's so interesting. Uh, Joe, are you with us? I am. Yes, I am. I'm here. Okay. Can you hear me? Well, yes, we yes, can. I, I can. And uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a little better than what we had before. Make sure that uh, we, well, he's got his, uh, make sure the sound is off on your computer. So we're not getting, uh, just turn that uh, volume off. And, um, and Kathleen's giving me the thumbs up, so it sounds better already. So great! In our final segment here, get to hear you a little Sorry better. That. That's okay. You know those things happen. You're not a broadcast professional, so a warning to everybody else listening: Don't, don't try, try this, this at this home. In your living room, yes. Yeah, don't try this at home. Uh, tell us. Uh, I want to know more about some of the various kinds of tomatoes that you grow that are um, historic in nature. Uh, you grow one from uh, Thomas Jefferson, don't you? Yes, I did. I actually called Monticello, and uh, and I asked them if they had any seeds from, uh, from the time of Thomas Jefferson. And they said, no, that they don't have them, although... 
now that they've completely revamped and revised his garden so that if you were to visit Monticello, it would be exactly as he had laid it out in his day. Um, they were telling me that they believe that one of the varieties that he grew was called the Purple Calabash. Hmm. Now, I do have Thomas Jefferson's Garden Journal, which is very interesting. I've gone through it, uh, and all he does is mention that he's been growing tomatoes. And I suspect that back in his day that they really didn't have names for the varieties that we have today. Uh, and that's why he just called them, because he was very meticulous in his note-keeping. And I'm sure that if he had a name for the variety, he would have listed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, you know, I was fortunate because I actually called the person who does who's involved in that. You have to actually call them to purchase the seeds of plants that are grown right there in Monticello. Um, normally, because wow. they have so many requests, they they um, they have to uh, sublet out their uh, their seed growing, and so they have uh, farmers in the area who grow plants for them. But um, they do have varieties that you can purchase that actually grew there in Monticello. So, purple calabash is a very good tasting tomato. Ah, sweet and juicy. There's uh, another tomato. Can I ask about? Look like you're going to ask question sure. there, Mike. Uh, there was one you talked about um, in, there was an article written about you a couple of years ago in a, a local newspaper, and you talked about a yes. um, a tomato that came from Poland that was smuggled in. Correct. Yes, uh, the Polish, the Polish tomato. It, it actually uh, was brought in back in uh, the early 1900s. It came through um, Ellis Island. And, and the uh, the person who brought it in had to smuggle the seeds in you know, on the back of uh, postage stamps. And what's interesting is is that you know the immigrants that came into our country, um, it was a traumatic experience for them to be dis- displaced for various reasons. And one thing that gave them comfort was they were able to grow plants in their garden there in the United States. They grew at home. So for no other reason, you know, it gave them this this comfort feeling, and uh, and we're so blessed to have these tomatoes with us today. Yeah, I was thinking uh, back to Thomas Jefferson. If they didn't name the varieties, then what was he saying? Uh, well, that's the big red one. Um, there's the little <laughs> red one. There's the pointy red one. Yes, yes. Um, he just mentioned tomatoes. I was up. Uh, I, I was, you know, I was a little upset that. He didn't. He didn't uh, put the information in. But uh, what can I say? Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is is that in going through, you know, we talked about Seed Savers Exchange. It came mm-hmm. about in the early seventies, actually nineteen seventy five. It's it's one of the the largest uh, independent and actually uh, non profit seed saving here in the United States. Uh, one of their members. His name was Charlie Case. And Charlie Case was a a sociology professor who uh, had one foot under the desk and one foot under or by a rototiller. And Charlie Case was interesting, and I came across his name uh, in a book. And uh, if anyone is interested, I guess, I don't know if I can uh, mention the name of the book. Sure. Um, Okay, it's, it's called The Seed Underground. A Growing Revolution to Save Food. It's written by Janice Ray, R-A-Y. And in that book, 
on chapter 18, she mentions Charlie Case. Uh, Charlie Case is a special person because he was one of the uh, top providers of uh, heirloom tomato seeds for Seed Savers Exchange. Um, and one of his favorites was called the Peace Tomato. Now, I searched high and low so that I could grow this because Charlie is the kind of a person that I can very well relate to. In fact, when Charlie passed back in 2012, on his birthday, by the way, at the age of 69, in his will, he stated that he would like to be buried in his tomato garden. And there's a man after my own heart. God bless him. Okay. Uh, Talk uh, about fertilizer. Yes. Uh, Yes. Wow. Uh, by the way, folks are interested in Seed Savers Exchange. Uh, you could just go to seedsavers.org. Uh, and yes. uh, they are a great organization, and I'm glad you brought them up. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you're trying to find the peace tomato, though. Well, I actually did because I stumbled across it by one of the members of Seed Savers Exchange because I asked him. I was looking for another variety. And... Uh, and he sent me a complete list of all the tomatoes he grew, and there was the piece, and next to it was sea case, and that was like a like mm. like a blessing to me because uh, you know this individual Charlie Case. I, I actually have pictures of him. I have his obit. Um, I can really relate to Charlie. He was a he was a good good person, a uh, little eccentric, but uh, <laughs> I, I think if you're a tomato hobbyist, I can appreciate that because. Uh, you know, all I do is a lot of times is talk tomatoes, and I'm sure that the people look at me as if I am like uh, <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> well, uh, we have le- we what have less than a minute. We have less than a minute. Okay. So, what is what challenge do you have less left right now? Well, here's the thing. You just said that you mentioned that I'm in the process of trying to get seeds from a tomato called the Heinz 1706, which was the first tomato where scientists were able to do to get a complete genome, which is all of the DNA and all of the genes of this tomato. Uh, I reached out to someone in California who worked for a company, um, and uh, I'm in the process of uh, possibly getting seeds for that variety. Amazing. But uh, cool. it's amazing what the Internet internet can do and how yeah. social media. And it's, we've it's got fantastic. to wrap it up here. Tomato Joe, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I hope we do it again very soon. Go to my website, MikeNovak.net, to read about more. Uh, for those on the network, go green or go home. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make me Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, Peggy, can you see me at all there? Yes. Okay. I, Sorry, I was I was putting the Facebook welcome back up. Oh, that's talking. okay. That's fine. You you can do that because it's telling me it's weird. It's telling me that my video is not on, and yet my video is on. Well, that's because you have two sessions up here, and one's on and one's off. Oh boy. Okay. Well, and can, I can't log can see, in. So. We, and we can see our guests. So. Uh yeah, we can. There's Mark Berger over there. Hi, how you doing? 
I'm great. What about you two? Uh, we're surviving at the moment. <laughs> we're surviving new technology. Uh, and uh, on the other screen there is uh, Jared. Uh, Jared McKenzie from Headline Solar. Jared, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. How about y'all? Thank, thank you for having me. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, we're here to talk uh, solar in the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I want to say one thing, though, uh, going back to the conversation we had earlier in the show about composting way at the beginning, uh, talking about green living and that sort of thing. And I want to make sure people are not confused when we talk about composting meats and pizza boxes and things like that. That's what commercial composters do. You don't want to throw that in your own composting bid in your yard because that's going to create uh, havoc. Critters are going to get interested in in those uh, uh, foodstuffs that uh, end up in your compost pile. So that's why we always tell folks, uh, if you're doing home composting in your own yard, just the uh, vegetable scraps, not the meat scraps. Well, and I put in eggshells all the time, too. And eggshells, too. But you know what? They don't break down. Um, you know, they, it's, it's my own unique soil compost though. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, I've had compost and I've dug it up after years and the eggshells are intact. And, you know, a lot of folks think you can use it for calcium. We got to have that guy who, uh, busts gardening myths yes. on the show. Cause he talks about eggshells and how, if you're going to make it work, you got to grind them to a fine powder before and, you put them in. Which is actually pretty easy to do. You can toss them into a blender and they will yeah, exactly. grind up, throw them in your compost bin. But that's for another conversation, because today we're talking solar energy, and uh, we're bringing uh, Jared McKenzie on the show because he's with a new outfit called Headline Solar. And, um, you know, you're a you're, – uh, please excuse me for saying so, uh, Jared, but you're a young pup. And how do you get a business up and running in Illinois to take advantage of – the Illinois laws uh, of solar energy, because you didn't even start doing, that wasn't the first thing you were doing with your life, was it? No, no. Uh, first thing I did with my life was I went to college, uh, dropped out the first uh, semester of my junior year and started my first marketing company. And then uh, uh, it was really a digital marketing agency. And then I uh, turned into a specific only online marketing company for the solar industry. Uh, worked with over 250 companies in 20 different states. And the biggest thing about the solar market is that every state is different. Incentives and customer knowledge and the education that people know. So when we got here early last year in Illinois, the uh, the state incentives had just launched January 31st of 2019. And uh, the education of the average consumer for solar was nothing, I would say. You know, maybe like half a percent of people knew. Um, what you know, what the incentives were, or that they even existed, really, and that, you know, most of them didn't even believe that it did exist because of, you know previous uh, Illinois uh, history of you know uh, you know incentives and rebates. It was pretty much non-existent. So uh, it's really a big, big education here. It's, it's not a sale; it's an education. If you can uh, inform them and help them understand how it works, um, and it, it's pretty much a no-brainer. But like Jared. the hardest part is grasping them. I can interrupt for a second, Jared. Could you move a little closer to your computer microphone? Yeah, you might have to do that. We had the same problem in the first hour with our other guest, and um, and I and I hate to ask you to do this. Be careful. You're sort of weaving from side to side, and that's I think causing part of the problem too. Okay. Um, 
So uh, let's talk to Mark. Mark Berger, and uh, you're um, uh, an energy expert, uh, and you work with a number of groups um, in Illinois, and you uh, know all about why Illinois has become a place where Jared might want to show up. And that leads, that goes back to the uh, Future Jobs Act um, of several years ago. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes, the Future Energy Jobs Act was passed in December of 2016. And that really got Illinois into the serious solar business. Before that, we were, for a state, you know, we're the number five or six energy user state in the country. And when it came to solar power, unlike wind power, we didn't act like it. We were way down in, uh, almost in the cellar, so to speak. So after the legislation was passed, and then the regulatory process began to put all that stuff in place. And I'm focusing here on solar, not on the other aspects, because I can all day talk about the entire act. The market finally started taking off. Uh, when we started back in 2016, there was only maybe a couple of thousand installations, solar installations in the state. Now we have over 17,000. And that would do the equivalent of about 50,000 houses worth of electricity. So that's the good news. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that is we are barely scratched the surface. And um, we seeing progress in the existing program that there's going to be many more thousands of installations that are going to be installed under the existing legislation. Plus, you'll start seeing a lot of the large-scale community solar projects coming online this year and next year. That's all good news. But even with that, we won't even get to, maybe we'll get to 1% of our electricity from solar. So we are lagging behind, not just the concept of going 100% renewable electricity by 2050 or 2040 or whenever, but we're not even up anywhere near the goal of 25% of our electricity from renewable sources by 2025, which was the original intent of the renewable portfolio standard. Yeah, uh, let me stop you there. You say uh, the, the uh, FEJA wanted us to get to 25% of renewable sources by 2025. Where did you say we are right now? Well, we're not even at 10%. If you we're at 7%, yeah. And we're supposed to be about 17 or 18 percent. And it wasn't the Future Energy Jobs Act that actually put that in. That was an original um, re requirement back in 1997 with the whole disaggregation program and legislation that took place. But there was no teeth in that legislation. Now there's at least teeth in the legislation and we're moving forward. But it's like, you know, you spent all this time buying, a, you know, an iPhone. And already we're up to iPhone version 12, and we got to really get on our horse and get moving. Mm -hmm. And it's going to re probably require new legislation that we hope will get passed this year. Okay. Um, Which is tricky in, in a pandemic. Very tricky. Very, yeah. yes. But what I think what, what legislation would you like to have passed this year? Well, there are two pieces of legislation on the table, so to speak, that I hope will be considered. One is the Clean Energy Jobs Act, which whose goal is to have 100% renewable electricity by the year 2050. And then there's also the Path to 100 legislation, 
which is more of a near term to try and accelerate the growth of solar and other forms of renewable energy by to get to 40% by 2030. So we would like to see one or the other or some combination of both be considered and passed in the fall veto session. Okay. Uh, but, but Jared, you're, you're in Illinois and you're saying that your business is booming this year. Would you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen a pretty insane growth. Um, I will say that with the, uh, the, the funding for the Illinois ADP, the Adjustable Block Program, which is governed by the Illinois Power Agency overall, which is also governed by the Illinois Commerce Commission, um, the community solar and the um, large commercial, so basically, you know, over 10 kilowatt AC up to 2,000 kilowatt AC, um, the funding ran out in February. And so with Group B, which is ComEd, uh, we're on the third of four blocks. Uh, I think we have about 23 megawatts left, which is 23,000 kilowatts. Mm-hmm. Um, the average system size here is about 8.5 kilowatts. So, you know, 2,000 systems left, and the last block is 13 uh, megawatts of, of credits. And after that's gone, then we have nothing. And so um, one of our fears is that this does not get renewed, and it was supposed to be, you know, passed. And one of the two was supposed to be passed legislation in May, but the, the, uh, the, the meeting was shortened, I believe, from like six days to one or two days. The next session is in November, which is a six-day session. So hopefully it passes then. We basically have until um, spring of next year. Um, and then the IPA, the additional block program, does have leftover credits. They have credits to use. But part of the FEJA was that uh, after, I believe, spring or fall of 2021, that they cannot use those credits. And so these one of these two bills is going to extend that. Um, so that we can keep going, it will renew the uh, credits for residential and for uh, the commercial and uh, the large scale and the community scale solar, which would be great. Otherwise, I mean, there's already companies that, you know, throughout this pandemic, I know probably five or six solar companies have left the state and gone to other states because of the fear, the fear of it, um, to keep growing the company here um, without, the, without the incentives being there. But I will say that, all you know, solar does... I mean, it makes great sense. It makes perfect sense with these incentives in Illinois right now. If they run out, it'll be a little bit more difficult for it to make sense. You know, the price will definitely have to go down. It's it's going to be a lot different. But uh, it's something that I would say that, you know, we would just move our entire All system. right. I've, I've got to hold you there. Uh, coming to a break, uh, Jared McKenzie, Mark Berger. We're talking solar energy. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And we will be right back. Even during the COVID-19 outbreak, Bartlett tree experts are available to help you with your tree care issues. And now Bartlett is offering a new disinfectant application service for outdoor spaces. Because of their existing equipment, resources, and infrastructure, Bartlett has been able to make a quick transition to assist businesses and homeowners through the application of disinfected products. They can be put on walkways, patios or decks, fences, gates, playground equipment, stadium seating, park benches, outdoor furniture and tables, and most other hardscape surfaces. While these disinfectants are EPA registered, you still want to consult with a Bartlett expert who can walk you through any environmental concerns you might have and how often the product will need to be used. Give the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts a call because even in a pandemic, every tree and open space needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. 
Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Even in the middle of a pandemic, we need to be prepared to bring about a just recovery. That's the theme of the Faith in Place 2020 Green Team Summit from September 13th to the 17th. This year, it's a virtual event, so folks can attend from all over the country. Workshops will connect the dots from faith to climate change to racial justice to public health. Peggy and I will be part of it, and we hope you will be too. Help us create healthier communities. Go to faithinplace.org. Hey everyone, this is Peggy, and I'm here to tell you about Natural Awakening Chicago Magazine, your independent go-to resource for everyday wellness. Natural Awakenings is still the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. For more than 10 years, we've been at the leading edge of healthy living, helping you find ideas and trusted resources to lead a more fulfilled and sustainable lifestyle. Each month, we go beyond the trends to take a fresh look at food and nutrition, wellness, personal growth, and green living. Natural Awakenings includes great articles for parents about raising healthy kids, too, as well as ideas for your sustainable home and garden. And if you like good food, you'll love our tasty recipes and meal ideas, from plant-based and gluten-free options to healthy versions of classic recipes and even lunches your kids will love. Natural Awakenings is available throughout the city as well as suburban Cook, DuPage, Lake, and McHenry counties, and it's free. Or read it online at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Repent, 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 you fossil fuel sinner. Repent, 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 you fossil fuel slave. So park your car, spread the word, kill the news, burn fall. Repent, 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 you fossil fuel sinner. Mike Novak Show, yes, it's time for all. It's Sunday morning, so we all have to repent. All of us uh, fossil fuel sinners. Uh, that's Jack Gladstone, in case you're wondering about it. And a little bit of an Elvis about him. Uh, there's a little bit of that going on, something there. It's certainly gospel-y. So uh, we're talking to Jared McKenzie from Headline Solar. They are uh, a relatively new player in this uh, part of the United States, meaning Illinois. And we're talking to Mark Berger. Um, who is a renewable energy consultant for a number of not-for-profit organizations like Seven Generations Ahead, Over the Rainbow Association, Blacks in Green. Uh, he is a past president of the Illinois Solar Energy Association as well. So, uh, in fact, let's start with you, Mark, because uh, one of the things we were talking about during the break, and I, I'm going to be the first to admit that when you start talking some of these numbers, my eyes glaze over. And I think that's that's a problem that Jared has, that you have, trying to explain this to folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the important thing is we we know we need to get away from fossil fuels. We need to know we need to get to solar. How do we make solar for everybody? That's something you were talking about during the break, Mark, and I want to hear you talk about that a little bit. First of all, people have to realize that you, uh, with the new Illinois programs, the people ask, well, who funds that? And the answer is all of us on this program. 
a amount of money is taken out of our electricity bill. It's a small amount, average about a buck, buck and change per month per account. But when you're talking about millions of ratepayers, especially the majority of ratepayers are not upper income or anywhere near it. It's whether you're rich or poor, you're paying into the renewable portfolio standard line item if you don't want to look at your electricity bill. And so it's important that as many people as possible take advantage, whether you're going to put installation on your property or whether you're going to sign for a community solar installation. And that's particularly important for low-moderate income households to take advantage of the Illinois Solar for All program. Uh, and uh, do you have uh, uh, hard times getting people on board, Jared, uh, when you're trying to, to market here? As you mentioned earlier, your numbers are up, but what, what kind of a conversation do you have to have people to talk them into solar? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would say that the same conversation for every consumer does not work. Um, it's, it's really going to come down to what is their driver for looking in solar energy? Is it that they have a $300 a month electric bill because they have electric heat in their house? Is it because they love green energy? And, you know, those kind of people are more so like, you know, not really you know, concerned about the price. I just want to help the environment. Um, is it somebody that's looking at value to their home or maybe also somebody that has a bad roof that wants to get solar in order to get the roof replaced because you can pay that with the tax credit? Um, and or is it somebody that wants to go off grid that doesn't want to have to rely on climate and feels more peace of mind of, you know, producing their own energy and installing a battery and having that in time to pack up or if, if the power ever goes out. And so, you know, there's, there's all different types of consumers that are all homeowners at, at, at the end of the day. And uh, it, it's really giving the pitch and the proposal and the, the information that we provide towards their motives and their drivers um, in order to increase the efficiency of, you know, how they comprehend and understand solar benefits in Illinois in order to make an educated decision of going solar or not. Um, I would say the only type of person that isn't going to be a good candidate is somebody that has trees all over their house. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, most people are great candidates. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a great candidate for solar, and it really honks me off because I've got some trees here and I've got uh, my roof pointed in the wrong direction. I've talked to um, my uh, friend, uh, Lisa Albrecht, uh, who you know, Mark. I'm not sure, uh, uh, Jared, if you know Lisa Albrecht, and she's with uh, a company that uh, advertises on our show called Albright Solar. Um, and, and she's been with ISEA for years, too. Right. And, um, and, you know, it's very frustrating to me, uh, but we don't have time to get into that. Let's talk real br briefly. Mark, I mentioned that uh, you are with seven generations ahead. They're having a, uh, a, a, a um, I always want to say it's an event, but it's a virtual event tomorrow, right? Correct. Um, it's going to be held by the SolarEye Chicagoland Partnership which is the Midwest Renewable Energy Association and Illinois Citizens Utility Board to talk about the solar programs. It will be online, and it will also discuss not just um, rooftop solar, as it's popular, uh, called, but also community solar, mm -hmm. which is important because over 80% of households really can't put an installation on their property. They don't have a roof or their roof like like you, is not suitable. 
So it's important to get the word out about the community solar program. But the focus in this one is about residential solar and about group buys so that people who can put an installation on their house, whether it's under the adjustable block program or the Illinois solar for all program for low moderate income households can get together and bulk their order up so that they can get a uh, cheaper price. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be, there's a series of them. The one that's seven generations ahead is co-sponsoring is on tomorrow at, um, I believe it's 1 p.m. Right. It's so, 1 to 2 p.m. It's called the Virtual Solar Power Hour. Um, and uh, you can find the link at MikeNovak.net uh, in my blog from yesterday. Um, and then the ISCA is doing a number of events. One of them is called Powering Your Home with Solar Energy. That's on July 30th. So there's a lot going on this week. Do you know anything about that one, Mark? Again, it's a similar kind of market, uh, primarily for the residential market, because that right now is the easiest one. Plus, there is still funding available, as Jared referred to, although that funding is disappearing uh, faster than the ice cubes melting on a summer day. Thousands of installations sounds like a lot of like a big number. But it's going to go fast in Illinois, and we need tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of installations to make a difference. All right. Thank you both for being on the show. Go to HeadlineSolar.com. Thanks, Jared, for being with us. Mark Burke, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you on the show. Stand by. We've got bonus Rick DeMaio coming up. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Ooh. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. Our friends at Eden Place Farms are offering affordable local CSA shares with a twist. You pay for these organically grown boxes of vegetables each week as you receive them. You can skip deliveries without penalty and even get custom orders to eliminate allergens and unwanted items. Best of all, you're supporting a Chicago-based operation whose goal is to provide affordable, high-quality organic produce to the region. Go to EdenPlaceFarms.org or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at MikeNovak.net. COVID-19 messed with a lot of things this year, but the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Award still wants to see your garden. SEGA announces the 60-second garden video challenge. Take your cell phone or camera out to your yard and show us in one creative minute why your garden is special. SEGA will post the videos on their YouTube page where viewers can vote for their favorite gardens. And yes, there will be prizes. Go to ChicagoGardeningAwards.com or click the logo at MikeNovak.net. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. If you're an omnivore, there's an alternative to factory farmed meats. Cedar Valley Sustainable Farms CSA brings you beef, pork, chicken, and eggs, all raised humanely, drug and hormone-free, with respect for the earth and the animals. And since the start of the COVID-19 emergency, they've been doing non-contact pickup at delivery locations throughout the city and suburbs. Go to CedarValleySustainable.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at MikeNovak.net. Since 2001, DiveHeart has been revolutionizing rehabilitation using zero gravity and scuba therapy to give confidence, independence, self-esteem, and yes, freedom to children, veterans, and others with disabilities. At DiveHeart, we believe in the power of partnership because together we can do great things. Let DiveHeart help you imagine the possibilities in your life. Go to DiveHeart.org to learn more. Do you have any Fauci so calm and precise? 
Your raspy voice is sexy and your glasses are nice. You follow the science on facts, you're a lie. And you only want us not to die. What a guy. What a guy, what a guy, what a lovely guy. Like he only wants us not to die. Ah, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That, of course, is Randy Rainbow doing his Anthony Fauci song. And, uh, um, you know, and it just answered a question for me. I woke up this morning with West Side Story going through my head, and I had no idea. And then I now I just realized, <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I edited that piece for the show today to put it in the 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 bump music and no wonder West Side Story, but it wasn't that song. It wasn't the Officer Krupke song going through my head. It was When You're a Jet. So, oh well. Who uh, knows? That's that's next week, I guess. I oh, who knows? Uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, we told you we have uh, bonus DeMaio on this morning, and uh, Rick DeMaio, good morning. Rick, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Peg. How's everything going today? Uh, <laughs> don't ask. Uh, the it's weather's a sunny day outside. There's little puppy sunny. clouds. Yeah, and it's gonna. I went out uh, in the yard to do some work. Don't ask. The... Remember, you're not, you're not supposed to let your listeners in at this technical difficulty. Pretend like nothing's um, wrong. They know. They know, Rick. There's nothing I can say. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what uh, you're saying, Mike, is the show is going as good as your golf game, right? Uh, exactly. Exactly. Wow. And there's the guy. Cause he, I, I gotta Ooh, tell you, boy. Rick, 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 took it. well, see the reason he's doing this. Cause Rick said the other week, he says, we have to go play golf. And I'm like, yeah, I got to get out of this house. All right. So Rick takes me out and we walk 18 and, uh, my, my knee starts to give me trouble about the 12th hole. And the, so the last few holes were like the baton death march. And, um, and Rick, and <laughs> Rick was, you were fine. uh, and Rick was playing really well because he's been practicing. He went to Florida to visit his folks and he got out on a golf course and, and I'm saying, Rick, your game looks really good. So he wanted to, uh, <laughs> to keep playing. And I, all I wanted to do was sit down for a while. Yeah. Well, you, you had other things on your mind. I get it. But you know that's uh, that's what it's like, right? When you, when you're when you're going well, you just you want you want to keep playing, right? And when you don't, you go, I'm done. <laughs> exactly. Well, I had a couple of those, you know, like um, you know, you, you hit a couple of balls out of bounds on the same hole, then it's time to just walk to the next tee and sit on the bench and wait for the guys <laughs> to catch up. So that's I did that a couple of times, uh, but nobody wants to hear yeah, about but, our but, golf game. What? Yeah, but but tell but tell the audience what happened on on one of the holes at the Winnetka Golf Club. What what ran across what ran across the hole there? Oh my goodness! There was a deer Remember that, that just went yeah, bounding, yeah. bounding across the court the, the the green and left its hoof prints all the way across. Just tore up the right. green. Well, it could have been a skunk. Uh, that's true. <laughs> There's plenty of skunks out. Yeah, it could have been but, a skunk. So be lucky. <laughs> Yeah, and if the skunk starts yeah. digging for grubs on a golf green, it's not a good thing. Uh, but we've yeah. got a, a hurricane that hit the United States uh, yesterday. Uh, how's that yep. doing? Yep. Uh, well, obviously, it's no longer a hurricane because we'd be talking about it um, in the now, but it's basically formed uh, into a Category 1 hurricane. 
Um, this we're talking about Hurricane Hannah, which was pretty much a tropical depression on Wednesday. Um, a tropical, I should say, a tropical depression on Thursday. Uh, a weak tropical storm late Friday, and then literally blossomed into a hurricane um, Saturday afternoon. And I think what's interesting to note about this, Mike and Peg, is that um, we're already up to letter H, which is the eighth named mm -hmm. storm of the year. When do you think we typically hit the eighth named storm of the year? The, 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 way to, the way to kind of go about answering this question is we average between 12 and 13 during a normal season. And the midpoint of the season is about the 10th of September. So when do you think we normally hit number eight? Late August, early September. Yeah, that's what I would guess. Uh, uh, September 24th. Wow. And here we wow. are, July 25th. Yeah, and we're already at number eight. Now, it's important to point out that most of the storms have been weak, which they typically are if you're getting storms to develop this early in the season. Because uh, what happens is you'll get sea surface temperatures that are rather warm very quickly, but because that layer of warmth is rather shallow, once these storms begin to develop, what happens is if they're not moving very fast, they'll begin to churn up some cooler water, and that will limit the ability for those storms to gain a lot of strength. This particular storm developed in the western part of the Gulf of Mexico, which is normally the warmest area of all of the Atlantic and Caribbean due to the fact that that area tends to get a lot of easterly winds this time of the year. So what will happen is very similar to what we get here in Lake Michigan. When you have a week, week and a half of easterly winds, the surface water, say from Waukegan down to Wilmette, Highland Park, Peg, you've experienced this before, can easily get into the mid to upper 70s. But as soon as you get a west wind, like we've recently had, um, the water temperature of Lake Michigan will begin to upwell and cool down, similar to what will happen with tropical storms out over the Atlantic. But this part of the Gulf of Mexico can get pretty warm and stay pretty warm all year. In fact, water temperatures were anywhere between 87 and 88 degrees, and everybody was talking about if this storm had at least one more day of intensifying or being able to strengthen, no doubt it would have been a Cat 4. But it ended up wow. being a really low-end Category 2. And even though the winds were, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour um, from a sustained standpoint, there were a couple of rogue gusts up to about 70. Uh, but I think what you'll begin to see later on today as the news reports come out uh, is some pretty significant storm surge damage of nearly 5 to 6 feet. Um, and is this a precursor of things to come? We think so. We've already had Gonzalo form. That was letter G. That's pretty much getting ripped apart by some mm -hmm. dry air and some shear off the coast of northern South America. But what all eyes are now looking at is the next area of low pressure, like a weak tropical wave off the coast of Africa, that appears to be um, the next storm that's going to most likely become a hurricane strength as quickly as maybe Wednesday or Thursday and could easily move all the way across the Caribbean and eventually into the southeast. So that's where all eyes are looking at right now is the next storm off the west coast of Africa. I saw a, um, uh, a map on uh, television in one of the news reports, and they, they had a map of the Atlantic Ocean and the temperatures, and it was warm across the entire uh, breadth of, of the Atlantic Ocean with a couple of 
small areas, and they were saying that it's ripe right. for development. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think most of the Atlantic right now is about a degree and a half to two degrees above normal. What you'll begin to see is if you look at an updated map today of, like, the Gulf of Mexico, you'll see some cooling, and that's basically the upwelling that developed after Tropical Storm and Hurricane Hannah went through there. So what you need is as the sun begins to move further south right now, uh, it's basically at about 17 and a half degrees north latitude. Once it gets into the end of, once we get into the end of August, early September, that sun will then be directly over about 10 degrees latitude and about 5 degrees latitude. So that part of the subtropics gets hit by direct sunlight early in the year and then late in the year. So that's when you begin to get not only the warm surface temperatures, but the warmth literally down to about 100 to about 200, maybe even 300 meters. And when that occurs, that allows some of these storms to develop over a long period of time, and that's when you get the monster hurricane. So when people say, okay, it's so hot in July, why aren't we getting tropical storms? It's really more about the oceans than anything else. And as you alluded to, Mike, uh, much of the Atlantic and the Gulf of Mexico uh, right for the development of storms, whether or not the winds in the atmosphere allow those to develop and then move to the west. That's the second and third part of what makes hurricanes um, noteworthy. And it's interesting to point out, this is the last thing we'll say on this, is that so far this season is about as active and as intense as it was back in 2005. And I think everybody remembers that year quite well. I'm sorry, what year was that? 2005. 2005, Hurricane Rita, Hurricane Rita, Hurricane Wilma, and obviously Hurricane Katrina. Ah, okay. So that, uh, I, you, you broke up when you said the, the year, and I was just trying to hear that. Um, I will say one thing. We have a hurricane also headed towards Hawaii, the Pacific hurricane, right. but that's not as serious an issue, is it? Well, you know what, at this point, um, Hurricane Douglas, which is now down to a Category 1, is moving to the west-northwest, and most hurricanes that impact Hawaii from a negative standpoint come in from the south and west. What happens is they get caught up in the strong northerly flow of the subtropical jet stream that's coming from Japan, and they'll literally get, like, lifted northward. Um, if that happens, you'll typically get very, very high winds on the big island of Hawaii, very high winds on the island of Maui, and sometimes on the island of Oahu, but not normally that's the case. That's one of the reasons why Honolulu became a port, is that they were always protected from tropical storms and hurricanes. Because this one is coming directly from the east, it's probably not going to be that much of an impact from a standpoint of rain or wind, but the fact that it's a large storm, you're probably going to see some medium-sized impacts felt over many of the islands. The last time a real bad hurricane came through the Hawaiian Islands was Iniki back in 1992, and that was Category 4, and that devastated the island of Kauai. Okay, that's our bonus Rick DeMaio segment uh, uh, on the show today, but we've got more coming up. Uh, when we get back, let's talk about uh, the, the land part of the United States. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki talking to meteorologist Rick DeMaio, and we will be right back. 
Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. If you're looking for something to literally spice up a meal, look no further than Backyard Patch Herbs. They grow, harvest, dry, and blend their herb mixes. And they're chemical-free. No gluten, no salt, and no preservatives. Dips, dressings, rubs, cooking mixes, soup mixes, herbal teas, and more. Use the code MIKE10 and get 10% off your purchase. Go to BackyardPatch.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at MikeNovak.net. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. Joe's Blues brings Michigan's sweetest naturally grown pesticide-free blueberries to Chicago with 12 CSA drop-off sites in the area or get them at Chicago farmers markets. Joe's Blues also sells zero and low sugar blueberry preserves, pure dried berries, 35% cream ice cream, moisturizing soap, and more. Sign up now for safe social distancing you pick events this year. Go to joesblueberries.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at mikenovak.net. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up to get our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Whether you have a garden, a farm, or grow houseplants, you need microbial buddies to reconnect you to nature. The folks at Blazing Star sell probiotics from industry leader Tinyo Biologicals, which means they sell good soil biology, which means they maximize soil biodiversity. That results in healthy soil and healthy plants. Tinyo beneficial microbial soil components will add a major boost to depleted soils. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. Uh, this is Mojito. They a little bit of Looney Tunes. Uh, this is not a reference to Rick DeMaio, our meteorologist. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and that song is Powerhouse. And I, and I think of Powerhouse, you think of hurricanes, but you also think of heat. And uh, Ricky just sent us something the other day about uh, June being tied for third hottest June ever. Yeah, and that was and that was globally. That was globally. So that's that's a big deal. And I think so far for the year, um, I'm not sure exactly where we stand from a standpoint of the first six months. I'd have to go back and look at that globally. Uh, but we're pretty much on track. Most likely, if we continue with uh, a warm August as well, as probably the second warmest year on record, and that's. That's pretty significant stuff because um, that, again, is going to, you know, lay down the, the, the property that's needed for what is necessary for an um, active hurricane season. And typhoon yeah. season, let's not forget about that. Uh, and the typhoon season, sorry? Yeah, because, I mean, always, sometimes we always talk about hurricanes, but, you know, typhoons are the things that really impact, you know, you're developing nations much, much more than a developed nation like the United States. So I'm always more so, I think, sometimes concerned with what happens in, you know, parts of Asia, um, India, where you have your tropical cyclones. Uh, right. Luckily, there has been a very, very strong monsoon this year in India. And again, as soon as you get that, you begin to decrease the ability to get tropical cyclones. And by the way, speaking of monsoons, We've already had a very active and early onset 
of the monsoon in New Mexico and also Arizona. Um, one of the things that I, that I really enjoy doing with my uh, weather class at Lewis University is we have a campus in Albuquerque, a satellite campus, mm. and I have probably half my students down there. So I get to watch the weather um, on a daily basis. I give them weekly updates. And the Albuquerque National Weather Service Office, and I can send this to you, keeps track of the monsoon from a standpoint of mid-level, upper-level moisture. That's where it literally comes from. There's not much at the surface. But they also have what's called a dew point tracker, and they've had this now for the last 50 years. And Albuquerque reached a dew point temperature of 60 earlier than they've ever done in this, in this, uh, during the monsoon. And just last week, the dew point temperature hit 68 in Tucson, 65 wow. in Phoenix, and get this, in Yuma, Arizona, it was 75. Can you imagine that? A 75 dew point with its air temperature of 105? So wow. when people oh say, goodness. oh, the desert, yeah, oh, yeah, the desert, oh, it's great. It's right. But when you yeah. start getting that, yeah, that moisture get all the way into those particular areas, you know, not only do you get, you know, high levels of humidity, um, but, you know, that kind of rain, once you get into those areas with what they call gully washers, uh, mm -hmm. those types of thunderstorms that produce, you know, those, those blasts of rain and also, you know, floods um, are deadly. Um, so I think most people who live in those areas know about that, uh, but it's, it's another part of what we see to be not only a, a changing climate from a standpoint of the weather, but when the weather is actually occurring, Mike and Peg, and I think that's an interesting, you know, uh, part of looking at weather, you know, not just in the Midwest, but also in other parts of the world as well. And I, I can't even, do, do you, what were the heat indices for, for those uh, days? Oh, I can send it to you. I have all that stuff saved. You know me. Uh, the heat <laughs> index values were, 100 and, <laughs> were 115. And what was, what was more noteworthy was the other day, you know, I'm watching the golf tournament up in um, Minneapolis, and they had heat advisories, and I'm looking at the dew point temperatures, and I don't think I've ever seen this, but the dew point in Grand Forks, North Dakota, that's about as far north as you can go, was 81. 81. Wow. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like going, holy smoke, this has got to be, you know, maybe due to the, you know, the lush corn, which we were talking about. So what did I do? I went on the National Weather Service site from Fargo. I found the address to the hydrologist, and I sent an email. I said, when was the last time you had, you know, dew point temperatures this high? And sure enough, I got a response back the next day. And the, the person who sent it to me obviously was working a midnight shift because this is why weather people are such nerds. I got this email at 325 in the morning. So most likely the person was probably... Yeah, most likely the person was probably on shift, looked at this email and said, I can't wait to find out when the last time we had a dew point was like this. Got his work done and sent this to me and said, by the way, we've had several events where we've had dew points this high, and it usually corresponds with very heavy rain and a very lush corn crop. And sure enough, that's what happened. Wow. That's, wow. Uh, that's amazing stuff. And uh, I'm looking at the middle of the country and um, in in Illinois here, I feel as though we haven't had a hot summer in a while, and so it's, it's almost surprising to be getting these so many 90-degree days, uh, even though we know that the 
Earth is warming. We just haven't experienced it here consistently the way other places in the world have experienced it. Well, and 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 that's, that's and that's, I think that's good that you point that out because when people keep saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe how hot it is," we've had a lot of days in the low nineties. In fact, yesterday we at ninety two, but which made yesterday probably more uncomfortable again was the higher levels of humidity. And when you look at the average temperature for the month of June and July, both months are going to end up about five and a half degrees above normal, but the afternoon temperatures will end up being about two and a half degrees above normal. The overnight lows will end up being about five and a half to six degrees above normal. And what's really interesting, if you go back and you look at the amount of energy that's being used to keep people cool, what you need to look at, like during the wintertime, we use what's called heating degree days. That's the, yeah. that's the average temperature of when people begin to go, honey, I need to heat on. CDDs, which is cooling degree days, is the number where you go, honey, I need the air conditioning on. And studies have shown you will use more air conditioning at night when the overnight temperature is warmer. And usually a warmer overnight low temperature is not because the sun is up. We know that. It's basically because of higher levels of humidity. So if there's one thing to really notice when you get into discussions about changing climate, it's not so much the hotter afternoon temperatures, it's the higher levels of humidity and the warmer overnight lows. And, and we're seeing it again today. It may hit 94, 95 today. You know, that's hot, but it's not 98, it's not 99, it's not 100. It's the yeah. high levels of humidity. All right, we'll need a short forecast here, Rick. All right, so mid-90s today, again, a couple of thunderstorms late tonight into tomorrow, and then the rest of the week, low to mid-80s. This is about as good as it gets for the end of July. Oh, I like it when it cools off like that. So uh, any rain later in the week? No rain, just a little bit. But other, other than that, the rain tonight and tomorrow will probably give us about an inch to an inch and a half. All right, Rick. Thanks so much for the extra time. You have a great Sunday and water your plants. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank everybody on the show today. Uh, I, I know their names. I don't have it here. <laughs> Jared McKenzie, Mark Berger, uh, Orlean Howard, and Bill Mejo. Go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Oh, uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. <laughs>